baby. Dunk, it's the Red Wolves, baby. Dipsy doo, Dunkaroo. Why would a basketball baby. reporter be the one to break uh, it? It was some DC sports talk thing, and he retweeted it and was like, What do you think about this, baby? <laughs> no, but the Red Wolf is like, a, I don't know if it's just Eastern. Are we recording? Billy had a birthday this week. Hey, I did have a birthday this week. Big four nice. four. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was something. It was nice. Um, I will say, your uh, your as you grow older, the things that make you happy are important in your life change, of course. And I've gotten to the phase of my life where my wife um, correlates my birthday with making something that I really like for dinner. So the last few years, my birthday has meant that she pulls out all the stops for food. And so the last few days have meant uh, chicken fried steak. They've meant homemade poutine. Um, they've, it's meant a trip to Durham to eat at my favorite Texas barbecue place. And uh, we went to a Mexican ice cream place and had churro sundaes. So I've gained approximately 10 pounds maybe in the last three days alone. And I'm not sad about it. I'm pretty happy about it actually. <laughs> what? It, doesn't, it um, doesn't come off easy at 44. No, it doesn't. It no, doesn't. it doesn't. What was the, uh, the thing you forgot that time we made fun of you? Was it the, uh, I forgot my wife's. Ah, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I forgot my wife's anniversary one. Or That's, I guess it's, it's also my anniversary, right. but this was, uh, <laughs> I, um, you, this, you have to go back to when Haley was uh, uh, one years old. And so this is right around the time you fired me. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> five weeks running. Um, but yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but no, I think you were still employed. Um, barely at the time, but yeah. you were still employed. I was um, on like no, the we, first, uh, first bite of my sandwich. <laughs> No, I mean, we just had a lot going on. And so, you know, the the day of our anniversary arrives and, you know, I'm just blah, just, you know, going through the day like I normally would. And then at like 7 p.m., Jennifer hands me a card and says, happy anniversary and <laughs> slams the door in the bedroom. And I'm just standing there with a dumb face and just wondering where my life went wrong. How'd the couch <laughs> sleep that night? Yeah. The, well, You're like, yeah. That's when you say, Oh, I got you something on Groupon. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go. No, I didn't. I had no, you know, some things you scramble for an excuse and you, and you do your very best to save face. And then there are some things you just admit defeat immediately and take the L. <laughs> and that was where I, that was one of those things where I went straight into apology mode. I didn't even, I don't even think I went straight into apology mode. I think I just like, Oh yeah, I deserve whatever happens to me over the next week. (laughs) Just, just kill me. But uh, no, she doesn't bring that up very often. So thanks for, uh, thanks for reminding me of that. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I just can't remember what it was. Hey, it's the stuff of sitcoms. Everyone forgets in the sitcoms. It's a lot funnier there, but uh, yeah, it wasn't very funny. And, I don't know. I mean, anniversaries. I think I think I care more about that than my wife does. Like, we haven't been together for our anniversary. Like, we have our annual convention at work, and it's always on the September 3rd, the day of our uh, anniversary. Yeah. So this year, we're not having the convention because of the COVID. And so I was like, the other day, I was like, oh, Let's let's go do something for our anniversary for the first time. She was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> what is there to do though? I mean, well, you can. Go I mean, yeah, that's now, the thing. Like, it, really, it, I you know what? It's just remembering it. It's really all you got to do. 
<laughs> acknowledge the day and maybe get something or buy something or or make something or you know but really the unless least you, you just possibly like really do go is just out. acknowledge it yeah um, unless like one year like for your 10 year maybe you go to like mexico or something you know so I make a big deal out of milestone birthdays for her, though. I remember, oh. Jonathan, you were there for her 30th birthday when we had 30th? a... 30th? We had 15 pounds of crawfish shipped up from Louisiana, and we uh, we boiled it for her. I think I invited Gordon, but he, was, he, was, he wasn't my friend then or something. I don't know, but... Um, so uh, is she older Probably still some me? lingering resentment. From when you fired him. She's 41 now. She's, okay, so she's older than me. Or wait, hang on. Wait a no, minute. She, she's 41. <laughs> yeah. Is she, she's 41 did, now. Does, does the all spouses listen to this? Not really. <laughs> no, no, no. And then for our 40th, we took a trip together. And so, you know, we... Um, I can't believe I've, I've known the, you that long. Yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been here since for 13 years now. It's crazy. So should we talk about our our big coming out party last weekend? I mean, last week. Yeah, sure. I, I think we because, can announce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who wants to announce that? What are y'all? Scott Mason of WRAL's The Tar Heel Traveler interviewed us on July first for a segment that will air at five fifty five p.m. on Monday, July twentieth. That's cool. Yeah, we are the. Uh, we are going to be a Tar Heel Traveler segment on WRAL next week. Um, what do you unless think they kill it? <laughs> <laughs> this is garbage. The editor. So you know what? Like, so um, so since this happened, we, our interview lasted maybe forty minutes, right? That I was mean, a long interview. It, it was a long interview, and and then they also spent some time getting just some footage of us pretending to work and <laughs> and that kind of stuff, but. Um, but so yeah, it was like forty minutes, and so I, I enjoyed Tar Heel Traveler. I've seen it, you know, for the last thirteen years or however long he's been doing it. But, um, but I really since uh, since our interview happened, I've been going back and watching like the last month's worth, and I see that he has a rhythm as anybody gets when they've been doing it this long. Yeah, um, the, they're about five minute long segments. He says something, or it's introduced. He says something, and then. The interview, whoever's being interviewed says something, then he says something, then they say something, then he says, you know, he like narrates them. And so I'm just really curious how he's going to narrate ours because we did a lot of talking. <laughs> which, of us, which of us do you think said the stupidest thing? I think I did. I <laughs> thinking back on it. <laughs> well, you were quick on that. <laughs> What'd you well, say? I've been thinking about this. So I was, when we were talking about, and it just depends on how he edits it. But when we were talking about the uh, most recent issue with the, the movement on the cover, and I said, we're, we're, we're well aware that we're all three white white guys. Well, I don't think, yeah. Or, I But think I think it, the way, I mean, if he edits it one way, it'll sound like condescending. I don't know. I've just been worried about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I said a few things that I hope don't get included, but it's nothing that I am worried about, like, like when you said cr- you were taking out revenge on the Herald or something, cringeworthy, yeah. So <laughs> things that are cringeworthy. Um, well, we we did have to talk about the Herald a lot, but our hope I was, was that yeah, was, that, yeah that was our weird. hope is that we don't. Well, it's part of the story. I think we have to talk about that. That's where we and met, then they and that's filmed. Where we worked then together. they filmed a cover of the Herald afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's. I we just hope it's not set up as us against the Herald, but. Yeah, I tried. I mean, we both, we all tried to kind of. Well, he he that. asked a lot about how we got started. He asked a lot about um, our coverage of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement locally and uh, COVID nineteen. I think, I don't know, going into how I would approach the editing of this, I think he's going to frame us as an altern alternative newspaper that has um, stepped up for coverage of the uh, of the virus and of the Black Lives Matter movement. That's the way I think it's going to be kind of um, uh, broadcast out there. Kind of noticed when he was kind of asking his questions about um, 
like follow up questions at the end. You could kind of tell a direction he was going. And he yeah. asked me, he asked me why why I like Sanford. I think he was trying to get out of us that we started this because we just love our community and we really want to be a voice for it or something, which is true. But did we actually say that though? Well, I think that's where the angle he was going with. Yeah, I don't know how well I answered those questions about the specific stories like Black Lives Matter and the pandemic. But if if I could go back and answer it again, I would say that those two stories are sort of atypical of what we've been doing with the paper yeah. because because they're national stories in nature. And every other thing we've done has been about Lee County. And our coverage of those issues has been about how Lee County's responded to it, but it's still a national story. It's just... I don't think you can be in media right now and not write about those things, whatever level you're at. Yeah. It's, well, we were shocked when we, when we got the original email that he was even interested in us at all. Um, and Gordon asked him, I think one of the earlier questions Gordon asked was why us? And, yeah. you know, he gave a, a pretty good answer, but if you just go back and look at his breadth of work and it's, you know, it's highlighting fascinating people and celebrities and, and, uh, unique uniquities of North Carolina. I have a hard time still grouping us into that category that, that we are interesting at all to anybody outside of Sanford. But I'm really, I'm really curious of uh, a how this is going to turn out, and b if it's going if anybody outside of Lee County is going to see it and think. Um, I gotta buy those guys. <laughs> well, not yeah. I'm gonna buy those guys, but but hey, that's an interesting. That's an interesting thing that they're doing. We want to learn more. Or yeah, I have a hard time believing a lot of people are going to do that. But I think that's because. Know. But I think that's because we're so involved in it. We don't see what's unique about it because it's what we always have done. But it is unique. I mean, we're just like three guys that. I mean, we're not really doing this to get rich or anything. We we all three say that again. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we we all three have a a shared interest in a something unique. I mean, that, you know, not, not, all, not everybody would do something like what we're doing. I just, um, I feel like it's, we did it for so long without it even being a company that it became just, just like a, another thing we do. It's like why I make music. Like I'm not trying to get famous yeah. or anything. It's just, it's just what I do. I couldn't. I, guess really, I, I have a hard time not, not doing this stuff. So, but could you see? And and uh, by the way, Gordon, I haven't listened to. I, I want to talk about your your new stuff. Maybe we can save that for um, for next week. Um, well, I might have a, big, another EP out next week. So you've you've got big news, and and uh, I don't want to talk about it until I listen to it. I haven't had a chance to listen to it today. So, um, but in line with your band, could you imagine Scott Mason calling you up and saying? Hey Gordon, I understand nope. you have this this garage band, and you guys speak speak about or sing about space, and uh, that's just something really unique to North Carolina. And I want to come out, and I mean, no, absolutely not. And so, but I also have a hard time figuring out why this is unique to him too. We're yeah. three guys that started a newspaper. That happens all the time. <laughs> so I was just really well. Do three why, guys start a newspaper us. all the time? I don't think it ever. Uh, happens. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when's the last time you heard about a new newspaper? I mean, I mean it's Billy, been a hundred... thing, but it's not a newspaper. Actually, yeah. you know, if he does say print's dying, yet here are these three guys that just started a print product. That's that's unique, I guess. Mm. Well, look at well, look at Sanford. It's had the same newspaper since 1930, right? I yeah. mean, there's only been one newspaper. I guess hometown now, news. Now, if Ort but, Patrol performed wearing alien masks the whole time and. Um, or or were aliens actually yeah, then i think maybe you know. that would have been well no. the band of aliens shtick exists through the band valiant thor they came here from venus um but our thing is not aliens it's time travel okay you the next right. the next record we have coming out i think we're billing it as the uh you know, you get these re-releases of iconic albums that have been remixed and remastered. We're going to do a pre-release of an album that's not to come out until 2025, and <laughs> it will be pre-mixed and pre-mastered and sound even crisper and clearer than it does on the day that it's finally released. That's, oh, man. That's our, that's our game. I, I think I've brought this up 
before, but there's a new time traveler guy on TikTok. Uh, oh yeah, that you you need to see. His name is like 2028 man. <laughs> That's so creative. <laughs> and he has all these like predictions. One of them is so he says that the election is going to be really close and that Biden wins, but like Trump, like makes it seem that he didn't win and that starts like a civil war which is kind of an easy prediction to make yeah you know? <laughs> kind of yeah. so really going out on a limb there 2028 man <laughs> uh so we need well, to as as far as scott mason goes though i think we'll be able to pose these questions to him because he has tentatively agreed to be our guest on this podcast probably next week nice yeah yeah I'm excited. He has, about he has that. a pretty big following. I mean, he does. Yeah. Well, anytime, anytime he's around here for anything, it, it uh, gets a lot of chatter on social media. And uh, y'all see Sanford on Tall Hero Traveler? <laughs> yeah, I think every news market has one of these guys because uh, I grew up with Roy. His name was Roy, and he he was on uh, Channel Eight in Greensboro, and he would just travel the, the state. It's got yeah. to be like the funnest job in journalism to do that. Texas, kind of thing. Texas had that guy. Um, yeah. Oh shoot! What was his name? The I Texas know you Traveler. can't remember his name. The Texas Traveler. <laughs> I mean, you might be. You not might not be wrong, but he was so famous that he started doing Dairy Queen commercials um, in wow. Texas. Yeah. So. Um, hey, there's you some trivia. Big time. Ranters. Bob Phillips was his name, and he was Roy's folks. Pop- he was host of the popular Texas syndicated series Texas Country Reporter, and that is exactly what he did: is he traveled the country and interviewed people. And if you got interviewed by Bob Phillips, you were a big deal. And I feel like we got interviewed by the Bob Phillips of North Carolina. And I just, okay. I, it was, it was a really cool experience. And I hope we don't come off looking like idiots on there, but. <laughs> So I'm, sure I'm, I'm looking at the website for WGHP in Greensboro and they have Roy's folks, but obviously Roy isn't with us anymore because it's with Chad Tucker is <laughs> Roy's folks with Chad Tucker. Hmm. And it's these kinds of similar stories. I think that Scott is, a, he's a, um, very professional at what he's, that he does. Um, not sure I can say the same for old Roy. I can't remember <laughs> him being a, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Roy traveled all over the state embarrassing himself and others. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I'm going to try to do for, for our, um, for our big uh, national, um, national, our big national story, our international, uh, um, our, our solar system, <laughs> our solar system wide publicity for when, for when we become celebrities. Uh, I'm going to try to set up a watch party next Monday where, um, we can all watch it at the same time on Facebook. Still trying to figure out how to do that. And by that, I mean, I haven't looked yet, but I'm sure I can figure it out. And uh, so any fans of the rant who want to join us, join us next Monday at, uh, it starts at five 30, but I, I think our segment won't appear till closer to six. And Man, I'm uh, nervous. I don't really think I want to watch it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't like seeing myself on TV. Billy, couldn't you just go Facebook live and hold your phone up to the TV? That's if, copyright. If it comes, yeah. If, no, if it comes to that, that's what we're going to do. But I think we can also, um, if they live stream their their five thirty news, which I think they do, then we can um, then we can have it going. Or or we can do what Gordon just said. We can just Facebook live it and um, and uh, have a go at that. So one of those. Either way, we're going to uh, we're going to have it live streamed on Monday, and uh, um, everyone can. Join in the and the in the fun. Ari Wright Thompson was one of our guest columnists for the July issue. And I asked him just to write about his experience, and he wrote something that was really great. If you haven't read it, we will we will link it in the uh, in the the post of this podcast. But I encourage you to read it. And 
I'm going to stop talking now and just let Ari introduce himself and um, tell us about how you came to to write what you wrote. Um, well, hello, everyone. My name is Ari Ray Thompson. Uh, I grew up here in Sanford, North Carolina, attended Greenwood Elementary, um, Stanley Middle School, and then on to Southern Lee High School. I currently attend Morehouse College as a rising sophomore political science major. And overall, with the piece that I wrote, I just really want to say thank you for the platform. But coming to write the piece, you know, it's it's just my experience being here in Sanford, um, seeing this stuff firsthand and interacting with so many people that, again, you know, at face value, looking at them are your friends. But when things start to happen, you know, you start to lose those friends. When conversations are held, you know, those friendships then diminish. Yeah, you, you mentioned some 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 really th- difficult things uh, that I couldn't imagine having to deal with. And those things come up when the conversation about race starts. Is that how that that works? That That's usually how it happens. Um, as soon as those conversations happen, it's a lot of feels like a sense of being uncomfortable and unwilling to have a conversation. And that's why the problem keeps happening. That's why the problem keeps keeps getting added to. So these same people that I'm having conversations with only um, show what the rest of the country is dealing with is a lot of times my friends or, you know, at the time called friends, like aren't willing to have that conversation or don't want to, or my point is invalid or disregarded. Wow. Have you, um, have you ever been surprised the other way with people who you, you thought might not get where you were coming from, but end up understanding your point? Um, to be quite honest, uh, not really. Not really. It, wow. It's it's a lot of times some disappointment. You know, um, I can't I can't really think of many times where somebody is really willing to try to you know change their mind or actually hear me, or um, you know hear me and then like side with me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm not even asking for everything you side with me, but at least hear what I'm saying. You know? Sure, sure. Have you heard from anybody since writing the piece? Have you gotten any reactions um, to it? Not, I, I had a couple of reactions from some friends. Uh, some people reached out, you know, saying that they have always supported me. Um, and, you know, those, those people who reach out, you know, are definitely, you know, like I've always known that they're in my corner, you know, people that I um, respect and they respect me and are willing to support uh, black people during this time. Sure. Wow. Hey, all right. This is, uh, this is Billy Liggett. Um, thank you again for not only doing this, but for taking the time to write the piece that you wrote. Um, I think uh, it, it was definitely one of the um, one of the most uh, well received, one of the most commented on pieces that that we received last month, and uh, I think um, over, almost overwhelmingly in support of the things you had to say. Uh, you wrote a lot about growing up in Sanford, and um, I'm not from Sanford, but I've lived mm-hmm. here the last 12 years. I think I have an idea of the culture of Sanford. Um, yes, when uh, when we worked at the newspaper, um, we found that um, sometimes when we wrote stories about uh, Latinos or about uh, black men, black women, um, uh, we we got um, negative response from some of our readership. So we saw even then that that um, Sanford had areas of um, uh, bias, racism, systemic mm-hmm. racism, um, but. I was really interested. I'm sorry, this is a long question. I was really interested in what you and what you had to say about growing up in Sanford. And I was wondering if you could kind of reiterate that. You said there were good things about Sanford and there were there were bad things about growing up here. Can you talk a little bit about your experience? Yeah. Um, so we we have a decent amount of family here. Like I currently live on a street with all my um I have family to the right of me, family to the left, aunts and uncles and stuff. So that's really cool. Um my grandmother grew up in Broadway. Um she was a sharecropper. Uh, her and her brothers and sisters. So like we we have family history here. And um, growing up, you know, my grandmother be, you know, being from Sanford told me about, you know, being here, um, being she was one time chased through the woods by a group of white boys. Um, and for her to go through those things and then her grandson grew up in Sanford. And it, of course, it's not to the same extent, but the, it's still there, you know, um, and to then grow up in Sanford. You know, I like I said in the um, piece, I saw my mom called an N-word, you know, to her face in front of her kids. You know, I've had, like I said, somebody called me, told me they were going to make me the next Mike Brown. Um, again, people are unwilling to listen. And so just a lot of the experience in Sanford is talking and talking and talking and not being heard. 
Um, of course, you know, of course you have those friends who support you. Of course you have those people who are in your corner, but it seems a lot of times that is outweighed by the people who don't want to hear you, who don't want to hear what black people have to say. And, uh, and, um, hearing what Gordon said earlier, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you attend Morehouse college, right? Yes, sir. And that, and that's in Atlanta, if I remember. Yes, sir. Okay. And I imagine Atlanta culturally is most definitely different than Sanford. Totally um, different. Talk about talk about the differences. Um, so Morehouse College is located in uh, what's called the West End, um, predominantly Black uh, community. Um, and overall, Atlanta, you see a lot of different kind of um, cultures kind of fused together. You see a lot of different things happening in one place, which I think is really cool. And um, going from Sanford to Atlanta, I think was a big change because you, you just have so many dif- different kinds of people. Even my brothers on campus, um, a lot of them come from a lot of different backgrounds. So things I talk about to them is like crazy. Like one of my best friends is from DC. And when I talk about my experience, you know, being in North Carolina, which he, you know, he's from DC and he looks at North Carolina as like the deep, deep South, you know, when it, with North Carolina, he's like, wow, like that happens. Like he, this, this is almost like a firsthand experience for him because he doesn't experience, experience it where he's from, you know? So it's a lot of different people coming together, which I think is really cool. Tell us about what you're studying there. I, I know a little bit about it. I actually, I don't know if you remember me interviewing you a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when you were at Southern Lee, but yes, I, I was impressed with you then. I thought you had a lot of really cool things to say. And the the subjects that you wrote about in our piece had nothing to do with the interview. Our interview was just about how you were a good student. But tell us about what you're studying at Morehouse and 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 what you hope to do uh, going Got you. forward. So I'm currently a political science major. Um and luckily, I'm I'm a, pre- I'm a pretty decent ways in my major compared to uh, some of my other um, some of my other cl- uh, classmates. And um, right now, going into this second year, um, it, I guess it'll be a little um, strenuous, but it's definitely some political science classes. Um, I enjoy it because, in a way, it's told through a black perspective. I have a lot of um, African American pre- uh, professors um, that are telling their experience. A lot of them. Uh, one of my teachers was a district. Um, she worked, she worked under one of the district judges. I think it was like district four. Um, but it's a lot of people who have experiences who are then giving those experiences to us. So, um, being a political science major, I hope to go to law school, um, where I'm not sure yet, but eventually running for local office. Um, I think local offices would be so cool. Um, working with people and actually hearing people's voices and then eventually getting to the federal level, um, of things. Really? Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome, because I think you hinted maybe at, at an interest in politics a couple of years ago when we spoke. But, you know, when you get to the federal level, we're going to be able to say that we uh, had you on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ari, this is John. Um, hey. So I was a political science major as well, and I would suggest that you go to law school. <laughs> yes, there's not a lot of other jobs out there in the world for yeah. political science majors. Um, I have a son who is going into Southern Lee High School next year. Got you. Now, I I don't know. I would like to hope that he doesn't, you know, do the things that you're saying in your piece. But what do you, what advice do you give to someone like me as a parent that maybe can keep this cycle from continuing with, with a young kid? Overall, it's, I think it's just a question of morals. Um, that cycle can be broken within households and, you know, being passed down from family to family tradition wise, yeah. you know, by, by having a conversation. Um, I feel a lot of stuff is learned as a kid, you know, you, you see your parents do things, you see your parents say things. And um, mm. I think definitely, you know, sitting here talking to you, you being willing to hear me, you know, you doing this podcast, working with the rant, I, I think you guys are in pretty good shape. Um, yeah. <laughs> also just making sure that, you know, you're not a bystander. Um, and that's that's another part of the problem is that even people who are not necessarily adding to the problem directly are still not willing to listen and are still sitting on the sidelines and watching things happen. So as long as you're not a bystander and when you see things, you say something or you stand up for those who maybe aren't being heard or being treated differently, then at that point, you're breaking the cycle. Yeah, I would definitely say that, you know, we didn't make a point to do that, but some a lot of families don't and mm-hmm. that the problem still exists in a lot of a lot of kids these days. Yeah. So. Did you want to talk a little bit about maybe your process for for writing the piece and to, just to give some background? I'm, you know, what I said to you is what I said to everybody. We wanted to have our publication have a conversation about the things that were going on 
in the country right now, but the three of us are probably not very well suited to lead that discussion. And mm -hmm. so I wanted perspectives. What was your thought process when I said, give me your perspective? Because it could have been about, it could have been about anything. Did you take time to gather your thoughts or did you just sit down and it came pouring out? How did, how did it work? Uh, I think it took a minute. It did take a minute. Um, just thinking about everything that I have experienced here in Sanford, the good and the bad, and um, also with everything going on, you know, it, it was really awesome to have somewhere to express the way I felt and being being able to tell my story. Um, so it definitely took a minute to think about it. But once I thought about it and it hit, I just I just started writing. And yeah. from the get go, it, it just kind of flowed. Um, so eventually I did have to edit. I read it to my mom and she was like, uh you should probably change a couple of things because I, I felt like at some points I was in a way a little angry, you know? Um, I feel like there are definitely, you know, people that, you know, I may be not necessarily people in general or sp specifically that I wanted to touch on, but there were people that were sitting in the back of my mind that, you know, had affected me in some way. And mm -hmm. so maybe in some ways I was a little direct with things I said in the first draft. So I had to rewrite everything and um, come up with a, uh, come up with a better way to say things without feeling like I was targeting anybody. Sure. I, well, I was, I was just really impressed with it. And I think it's after I asked people to do this, I thought, you know, what have I just asked people to do? Cause it's a big assignment, you know, and what mm -hmm. are you 19, 18, 18? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's a big assignment for anybody to talk about their life experience mm -hmm. and to be able to, to put it together so well. I, I just, so, I, I was really kind of blown yeah. away reading it. Thank you. All of them. So, all of them. Um, Ari, what what were your experiences uh, in Atlanta during the protest, and I guess ongoing? How, how have you well, participated? I, I've been here the whole time. Oh, whole that's season. true. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I will head back in July and hope to I hope to go to the National uh, March on Washington. So that'd be pretty cool. Oh, okay. Oh wow. That's, when is that? So. Uh, that's August 28th. Um, I think that's a Friday. Hey, okay. You're studying political science and you're going to go into law school. And um, so you have a unique perspective, um, not only as a young black man, but as a uh, potential law student. And a lot of what the movement in the last couple months has brought out um, is a lot of the um, inequality in the judicial system for, for um, young black men and, mm -hmm. and uh, um so you have a unique perspective on this. And what I was going to ask you was, um, how does learning all this um, as a law student, how is that different for you? And do you feel like what's happened in the last few months? I mean, we've had protests for similar incidents, similar to George Floyd, but it, mm -hmm. it almost feels like that this one has caught on a little, um, a little better with um, with the nation and has lasted longer and, and that maybe the wheels of change are finally starting to move. Um, so do you feel like uh, that people are starting to change and that maybe things will get better? I definitely think um, that things are changing. And the reason they're changing is because I remember when Trayvon Martin got killed and listening to that case on TV and, you know, the the scratch marks behind George Zimmerman's head, all the different things that came into this case and watching them try to justify the reason Trayvon Martin was killed and still knowing that George Zimmerman is out on the street, you know, living his life with somebody dead. Um, then Sandra Bland, you know, Tamir Rice, all these different names just start to pile up. And I think seeing that at such a young age and then it's still happening now is, you know, is sparking a fire under people. It's sparking a fire under people my age to, you know, to ask for accountability, to hold people accountable. It's it's, it's a lot of stagnance and a lot of systems that are just not changing at all. And I think at that point, people my age, you know, my parents, you know, are getting tired of the systems that continually oppress Black people. And I think being a law student, it makes everything um, so much close, so much more close to home. And it weighs so much heavier on my heart. Because again, th th this could be me that ends up in the system. This could be yeah. anybody else. You know, it, it's too many black people in, you know, in the system and not being able to uh, expand on their freedoms. I think black men are one in three more likely to go to prison 
than uh you know our white counter- counterparts and you know that's that's crazy you know and yeah. so i think that it makes it so much close to home because you know i have to fight for people who aren't hurt i have to fight for people who are oppressed how can you make a difference as a whatever career you're going to go into whether it's political the political side or whether it's going into law um how how can you make a difference um so definitely going into the courtroom i just feel like the odds a lot of times are stacked against those entering and um whether that people are being falsely accused or the evidence is just not showing i feel like being a lawyer and rep- lawyer and representing black and brown people you know maybe i can help turn a couple of, of those decisions and maybe you know help them uh, not end up in the system that is you know that is against them. All the odds are against them. But if I can help eliminate those odds in the courtroom, then maybe I'll save somebody. Did you ever get the talk when you were younger of uh, if you're approached by a police officer, this is, I never got the talk. I don't think Jonathan or Gordon ever got the talk, but I'm, so you got it. What, what, uh, what did, um, what did they tell you when you were younger? um always have your id on you never leave out the house without an id and granted as a kid that's you know that's kind of tough but as soon as you get that permit or any form of identification you always have that in your pocket um when it when being approached by a police officer you know always stay calm um you know now one the first time i was stopped by a police officer um in my car i was a bit nervous you know shaky sweaty palms and everything but while driving you always keep your id on the dashboard so as soon as you get pulled over you don't have to reach for anything you just show them your ID that's on the dashboard. Um, but again, always, you know, being, being respectful, you know, never, you know, trying to challenge anything that they say, but you know, you're, you're, it's a mode of survival. You know, you're, you're not doing anything to oppose what is being said. You're, you're just trying to make it out. Sounds crazy to us. And yet it's, it's just kind of part of growing up, I guess, for you. Right. Yeah. Wow. Were those things what got, made you interested in the law or was there was there something else that sparked that interest? I, I guess just like growing up and co- like continuously feeling um, not wanted or my opinion not cared for, not respected, you know, not heard. Uh, that definitely did it, whether that was growing up um, personally and firsthand experiences or seeing that on TV, um, like through the news and stuff. You you see a lot, you know, you see a lot, whether that be firsthand or media, that that makes you feel some kind of way that makes you understand that you in other people's eyes are not wanted. And I think that was the driving factor for that. Mm. Wow. Well, Ari, I think we're running short on time. So I want to thank you for joining us. And um, but is there anything that you wanted to to close with or anything that we, we hadn't asked you about? Uh, not really. I just want to thank you guys for having me on here. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and thank you for your peace. And I just, yeah, you know, yeah, we really appreciate it and good luck. Um, thank you. I know, I know, uh, studying pre-law or whatever, uh, is hard enough, but having to do it with all the uncertainty and all the yeah <laughs> online classes and you don't even know what your college is going to look like this fall. I, I can't imagine how difficult that is. So best sure. of luck to you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thank Thanks for being on. No problem. Thank you, guys. All right. Have a good one. You too. I feel like we should address the the fact of our absence from podcasting for the last two weeks. One of... um, the reasons was the Tar Heel Traveler interview combined with it being publication day for the July issue. And last week we decided to take the, the week off and use this time to, to plan our next issue. And one thing I'm excited about is that it looks like the rant monthly in August will be back to various Lee, Lee County specific issues. And not that I haven't enjoyed writing about the things that we've written about in the last couple months, but it's, it's been things that are national in nature and things that a lot of people, maybe particularly COVID are just exhausted by. And I think that those things will be present in our next issue, but they won't be, they won't be driving it. So um, it was, it was really interesting to have Ari on because right now for Campbell university, I am actually doing a story on 
black law school students and entering a career that um, that they can absolutely make a difference in. And uh, um, and so it was interesting to hear what Ari had to say because it was a lot of very similar to what our students are saying. Um, and so I, I still enjoy writing about that and I still enjoy, um, I still think it's a very relevant issue, but if you were to tell me, let's do another COVID issue right now, I would probably, yeah, <laughs> probably not, not participate in it because as much, and, and what really sucks about it is there's really no end in sight right now either. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we could probably have a, a COVID edition for the next year, but, um, but yeah, we, like Gordon said, we are going to try to get back into local economy and local news and, and uh, um, things that, uh, you know, but even that might still end up being partly related to what's going on the last few months as well. Oh, like I said, COVID will be present for sure. But we so a friend of mine it. who's a nurse said that it may take up to three years for this to go away, for us to be back to normal. Or are we hearing now that like the antibodies only last so long? Yeah, yeah people are getting it twice now. Great. Uh, See, I think they uh, should focus more on treatment. Like, because a good treatment, and if you can get people not to die, I mean, <laughs> that would be a, a plus, right? Yeah. That you just, you know, kind of expect to get it because it's kind of going to happen and just have good treatments. Well, if that's true about the antibody thing, then herd immunity is not possible. Yeah, and vaccines are not. I mean, you get a flu shot every year. Like, yeah, you could get a vaccine every year. Yeah. But well, the flu and the flu kills people. But what worries me about this is the long-term effects of it. Even if you survive it. Hey, did you see that there is a blue what bubonic plague in Colorado in a squirrel today? Cool. I, I heard about That's that. Promising. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't y'all just so, rather be taken out by a meteor or something? What's the quickest way? I still say, and uh, this is this isn't anything new to the people that follow us. Um, that uh, I still would like for come November, uh, Donald Trump is not our president anymore, and so I still contend that if he loses the election on November third, twenty twenty will have still been a pretty good year. <laughs> <laughs> uh. oh no it was a positive <laughs> all in all what was your 2020 like well trump lost oh. it wasn't that bad <laughs> well, so the whole thing about 2020 like how many years in a row have we had now where that's been like the meme like oh 2017 i know remember when all the stars were dying and everybody's like oh 2006 yeah but this one really has kind of sucked though i mean, I mean it really yeah I mean. <laughs> it makes me wonder if oh, 2017 we were kind of yeah, kind of. Well, no, the there was one the year. There was one year. Was it 2017 or 2018 where we had all the celebrities dying? Like every celebrity died that year. <laughs> <laughs> Prince and and uh, Tom Hanks and <laughs> everybody died that Tom year. Tom Hanks didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then it was 2019. I think 2019 just started, and it, like some B lister died. And there's like, oh, here we go again. Here we go. And, like you know, celebrities dying isn't. You know, it's going to happen because we have a lot of celebrities now. But, um, yeah. Speaking of celebrities dying, rest in peace, Charlie Daniels. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy. Did, the, did the newspaper, local newspaper here ever have that? I never saw They it. had some wire yeah, copy yeah. about it a few days later. I can't believe that. I really can't. So, Jonathan, Don't you, you think... interviewed him. You interviewed him once. Uh, he was very nice. You, the picture of you interviewing him, a very young looking, cleanly shaven Jonathan. Holmes, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, interviewing him, uh, the picture will last forever. But <laughs> how long did that? How long did that interview actually go? Was it one question? Was it? It went. Uh, so it went like three questions too long, because oh, really? because I was interviewing him and he was really nice and happy, but he wanted to get on to like you know shaking hands with people, and I oh, kept yeah. asking questions, and you could tell he got a little <laughs> perturbed. But oh, like, I hate when I, I hate when I do that. You know what? I, but like, he's the okay. Here's Listen a question, here, son. I'm about to get sideways of you. Here's a question, and maybe we can make it a rant poll. But is he like the most famous person from Sanford ever? I would say yeah. Uh, well, it's tough because he's not from Sanford. Well, he's, I mean, from the area. He's from he's, Gulf, 
Well, he's from Wilmington. Wilmington, but he grew up in Gulf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would famous? say he's the most famous, right? Hmm. I'm trying to think of who the other candidates would be. Dennis Wicker, maybe. Uh, Lane going overhead. There was a football player from Harnick. Oh, wait, Herb Thomas. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the race car driver. Yeah. J.D. McDuffie. Um, I'd, I'd have to give it just if you just want to base it solely on the number of people that know him. <laughs> it's got to be Charlie yeah. Daniels, right? It'd have to be Charlie Daniels, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that his death would be a bigger deal here than it was. Um, I think it was a big it was a big deal in the country music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he means here. Like no, here. I know, but but so you say I'm, he's from Sanford, though, and I think his his actual you know his actual uh, involvement in Sanford wasn't huge. You know, he lived here for much of his teens, but that was it. Like he didn't give back to this. He community. went to, he didn't, he went to high school here, I think in Golston, Golston. High yeah. School. He's born in Wilmington, I think. And then he kept coming back, going back and forth. I think he, I was reading his bio, but, um, it could have something to do with the song that he had on, I think it was on his second or third album. That was called Sanford is a trash heap. <laughs> uh, yeah. he just absolutely slammed us and i for one will never forgive him i just hate the smell of the bricks <laughs> <laughs> the smell of bricks <laughs> yeah I, I watched a video of him performing devil went down to georgia in the late 70s I, and as a matter of fact it, i guess it was the year it came out because he he introduced introduced it as this new song and the crowd went crazy and uh i was i was impressed by his fiddling like oh yeah i mean just the that he's a big man and those fingers moved quite quickly so um he was so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a top five list or top 10 list and i'm gonna have some surprises because i've listened to a lot of to georgia does not make your list no it does not (laughs) so (laughs) terrible johnny cash's lowest moment so there my was, thing about my thing about the devil went down to Georgia has always been that the devil actually wins that battle. The devil's guitars are well, fiddle solo is so much better. Yeah. I don't know if the fiddle part boom, is though. Well, that's it's why the bass. In, it's the bass. Yeah, guitar, the bass part boom, is way boom, better. Boom, 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 boom. But yeah. in like upon further review, the devil's fiddling may not be as good as John's. Well, I, the I thing mean, that's cool about it, and this is uh, a nod to, I think, why it's been such a well-received song over the years. The Devil's Solo has all these angular Demons. and musically messed up passages that make it sound evil, but it's it's so much cooler musically. Yeah, it probably is more intricate. Well, isn't it scientific fact that the more your music um, approaches Satanism, the better it is? <laughs> If you play it backwards, <laughs> but, um, but but you're right, I, and I think looking back for that song to really work, Johnny's fiddling had to be so much better for that song to really hit home. Yeah, I think so. I think Johnny's song features the fiddle more than the Devil's song does, and I think that's where. So the it's it was a an, uh, it was a dispute over quantity and not quality. Oh. Ten things you never knew about the devil went down to Georgia. One, I mean, the nature I think of the it's dispute a lot closer. regarded quantity, not quality. <laughs> and Johnny's solo contained more actual fiddle than the devil's, allowing well, him but to the win. Devil, the devil also comes out with this. <laughs> the devil also comes out with this really, like you say, kick-ass groove and and just you know it was His great. Band of demons. And right? then there's Johnny going chicken in bread pan, picking out dough. <laughs> <laughs> Fire on the mountain, and he's playing a different, <laughs> a normal song that every, everyone knows. So yeah, maybe we have an unreliable narrator. I mean, the devil bowed his head because he knew he had been beat. I wouldn't have bowed my head if I was the devil, right? Because I think he had a he had a legitimate argument. <laughs> so there's one list I read. I think it was from Rolling Stone that said that this was like the beginnings of country rap. That this is like a similar oh, thing Lord. to a rap. 
Boy, which is kind of that be. was if that was true, we should not be celebrating Charlie. Day. <laughs> no, we should not. Well, no, which no, is kind of should. a stretch if you ask me, but we should be burning him in effigy. <laughs> I, I have for I have for real studied this very closely. His in, entire dis- discography. All right, well, Jonathan, if he doesn't come out with that song, is he nearly the the legend that he is? I need, I need to that, I need to look up like the history. I mean, like, like his, ta- his timeline. And, right. He he had several, I don't know, several albums, but he had albums before that. Like, well, Devil had, Down Georgia like, was big, in the mid to late 70s, right? I think so. Well, his, he had some really big songs like uh, Long Hair Country Boy, and uh, he had some problematic songs. <laughs> oh, he has uh, a lot of problematic songs. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's like a trailblazer or if he was just like glomming on what like the Almond Brothers and other bands like that were doing at the time. Because, you know, Southern rock was pretty big at the time, right? Is I, I'm yeah. really not all that familiar with a lot of his music. Is it is it more country rock than country? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's, yeah, definitely. I think I would I would categorize it as country, at least country rock. Well, I don't know. I'll break it peace. on down. I'll break it all down for you in the next month's rant. Rest in peace, Charlie. It says Gordon Anderson commented on Jonathan's post. Why do I need to be notified of that? Yeah, they've been doing some whoa, weird whoa, things. Whoa, that like is that. disrespectful, Billy. Of course, you need to know that. 